Welcome to the Emmanuel Baptist Church Podcast. We pray that the sermon you're about to hear would be useful as you grow in your love for God and your love for His church. Now, here's today's sermon. I invite you to turn to Genesis 26. And actually, while you are doing that, maybe if you've got a ribbon in your Bible, if not, use your thumb. Um, Also, mark Genesis 12. Okay, Genesis 26 and Genesis 12. We'll be flipping back and forth between the two. The series is Thread Through Genesis, or Threads, rather, Through Genesis. And uh, we've made our way a fair amount through the book. We're getting there, a little past halfway. (laughs) Uh, And we've looked at a lot so far, right? We've looked at Adam and Eve. We've looked at creation and the fall. We've looked at Cain and Abel. We've looked at the Nephilim, chapter 6. Tower of Babel, looked at Noah's Ark, looked at Melchizedek, the king priest, looked at Sodom and Gomorrah, looked at Hagar, the slave of Sarah and Ishmael, looked at the sacrifice of Isaac, Mount Moriah, looked at so much so far and we've only come to chapter 26. Now, there's, there's not much, it kind of grieves my heart, about the person of Isaac. You almost skip the generation. I mean, you don't, it's there, but it really, Abraham takes a good chunk and Jacob takes a big chunk. Um, so we're going we're gonna to spend a little time here on, on Isaac and the life, at least short story, that, that is told of him in Genesis 26. I'm going to read it. And we'll walk back through it, noticing a few similarities between him and his father, and particularly in Genesis 12. That's why I have you thumbprinted that. Um, Let me just read it, though. You don't have to flip back and forth yet. I'll I'll let you know when to do that. But let me just read Genesis 26, and um, I know I have there 1 through 17. I'll just be reading verses 1 through 9 tonight. That's what the Word of God says. Now there was a famine in the land, besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, sorry, Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I, sh- I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and to your offspring... I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, and will, go and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Verse 6, so Isaac settled in Gerar. When the men of the place asked him about his wife, he said, she is my sister. For he feared to say, my wife. Thinking, lest the men of this place should kill me because of Rebekah, because she was attractive in appearance. When he had been there a long time, 
Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out at a wi- of a window and saw Isaac laughing with Rebekah, his wife. So Abimelech called Isaac and he said, Behold, she is your wife. How then could you say she is my sister? She is my sister. Isaac said to him, Because I thought, lest I die because of her. We'll pause there. I know it keeps on going, but we'll pause there for now. The title I want to give this sermon tonight is Like Father, Like Son. Like Father, Like Son. Think about how it's so natural for us to look at um, character traits passed down from generation to generation. I know you, you probably have done it. If you have your own kids or you've seen it in yourself from your parents, Growing up, uh, I always heard, always heard, oh, you're a spitting image of Andy. That's my dad's name. You're a spitting image, just like him in every way, right? The good and the bad. And uh, I just heard that all the time. And now we've got Judah, and uh, I think he shows both, both parents pretty well. Um, he loves to touch his belly button. That's all Sarah. And... Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. He loves books. That's all me. No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, we went to Texas Roadhouse uh, a couple nights ago, and he uh, kept trying to climb over the, the booth and wave hi to the person right on the other side. Hi, 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 and just wouldn't let them. That's, that, one, that one was actually, that is me. Um, at least back then, definitely not Isaac now. Um, he's changed a lot. But you just, you just see these traits, right? Like father, like son. And you just see the traits in your, in your kids. And Well, tonight I want to talk about this thread that I think goes through Genesis of inherited traits or inherited tendencies. This isn't a thread going from chapter 26 forward, but rather it's a thread, I think, that It's from 26 backwards, backwards in Genesis. Isaac repeats the path of the father who went before him, Abraham. It's a thread backwards, actually. We're at the tail end of it. But we also know that this thread picks back up in the New Testament because we'll get into it later, but what we find out is that actually we also inherit the tendencies from our forefathers of faith, our, our fathers that went before us, even in Genesis, and we'll talk more about that a little bit later on. Like father, like son, the thread of inherited traits or inherited tendencies. I, I, w- I want to first start by looking at three similarities that I found. I'm sure there's many more that you can find. Three similarities between chapter 26, the story of Isaac, and chapter 12, the story of Abraham, his father. First, it's very quickly apparent if you've got your finger on both chapters, that is the famine in the land. The, the chapter, chapter 26, verse 1 even mentions it, right? It's a giveaway. The story of Isaac, the passage we're looking at, chapter 26, verse 1, it says, Now there was a famine in the land, besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. Okay, so we already got from verse 1 this, this little hint from the author that, hey, I'm about to tell a story that is meant for you to be a mirror of another story 
of his father. There was a famine in the land, just like the one that happened in earlier days with Abraham. If we go back to chapter 12, you can see exactly that. Chapter 12, verse 16. Go ahead and turn there. Genesis 12, verse 16. And it says, For her sake he dealt with Abram. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. Let me tell you, that's not the right verse. Let me... Maybe it's verse 6. 10. I don't know where I got 16. Maybe that's later on. Thank you, everybody, for noticing this. I write that on my notes, and I trust them. It's not the infallible Word of God, I tell you that. Chapter 12, verse 10. Look at this. Now, there was a famine in the land. Very easy. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. It's very interesting, though. There's a departure in chapter 26 from following the path of chapter 12. You see, in chapter 12, Abraham has this big famine, and he decides to sojourn to where? Egypt. What is it, though, in chapter 26 that God says explicitly for Isaac not to do? He says, do not go down to Egypt during this famine. So, though he does something different from his father, we can tell there's another connection there. There's a famine and a sojourn to Egypt. Isaac was just told not to do it. Secondly, not only was there a famine in the land, but actually we see in both these chapters, chapter 26 and chapter 12, that God promises blessing in their lives. These chapters are chapters of blessing, abundant blessing, particularly in their families. Even you can look at not only that He blesses them, but even the nature of the blessing is very similar between the two. Let's start in chapter 26. Chapter 26, well, let's read verses 3 and 4. Now I'm anxious. I'm wrong on multiple verses here. This is what God says to Isaac. Sojourn in this land and I will be with you. I will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all of these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and I will give to your offspring all of these lands, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now that's his words to Isaac. Now if you go back to chapter 12, you're going to notice a lot of overlap in verses 2 and 3. This is what he says to Abraham years prior. I will make, you, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, between the two, notice there are a few concepts there that definitely overlap. God will be with them. He will not leave them, but He will go with them. He blesses, He gives blessing for their future, for their children, for their children's children, and through their family, the rest of the world will be blessed. 
I think it's interesting between these first two similarities. First, the similarity of famine and the similarity of God meeting and reminding blessing or reminding promises of blessing. How those two go hand in hand in both chapters. What can we take from that? Well, I think the sweetness of God's promises often go hand in hand in the most difficult of times, right? In the days of famine, so to speak. He knows when to meet His people and comfort them. I'll be with you. You'll make it through this. I'll bless you. I'll bless your children and your children's children and through your family. The whole world will be blessed. He knows when we need to hear an encouragement and a strengthening message. For both Abraham and Isaac, it was in days of famine that he did that. I think that's really an amazing thing to notice. I think the second thing that we can learn from that is oftentimes we have to pick which will guide our actions, the famine or God's Word of promise and provision. Because they might lead us to do completely different things, wouldn't they? If we just stare at the famine and that's all we see and we see the hardship and we see the struggle and we're overwhelmed, that might lead us to do certain things. Whereas if we direct our attention to the Word of God, the promises that He gives us, the provisions that He will give us, the long-term plan of God in our lives, when we look at those kinds of things, that might lead us to doing something different, wouldn't it? Sometimes we have to pick what will we set our eyes on and what will be the trajectory of how we're going to respond. Will it be the famine and the hardship? Or will it be the sweet word of God in the midst of the hardship? I think oftentimes, at least speaking for myself, I can, I can focus too much on the, the wrong one. And I think... It's safe to say that's what both Isaac and Abraham did. They didn't focus on the Word of God and trusting in His provisions because the third similarity that we see is sin. Sin. Go to chapter 26 with me. I lost my place here. Go to chapter 26 with me, and we see that both sinned by taking their future in their own hands and lying about their wives for their own safety. Not because God would provide for them, but for their own safety. They put their safety into their own hands. Look, in, so in, ver, in verse 1 of chapter 26, we see Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. Okay, now drop your eyes down a little bit to verses 6 and 7. So he went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, in Gerar, and when he settled there, we see in verse 7, when the men of the place asked him, or Isaac, about his wife, he said, she's my sister. For he feared to say, she's my wife. Women, could you just imagine what, like, if, uh, if he's never deserved being slapped in the face before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like father, like son, though. Turn to verse chapter 12. 
Abraham lied about Sarah in the same exact way when he went to Egypt during the famine and he was met with Pharaoh. We don't know this. This would be entirely speculation, but could it be that that is why God said, Isaac, don't go to Egypt. You're going to go to Pharaoh and you're going to be tempted to lie about Rebecca because she's also pretty. And here he lands somewhere else and he ends up doing the same exact thing. It's all speculation, though. But regardless, Abraham went to Egypt in chapter 12, and when he's met with Pharaoh, we can read in verses, let's go 10 through 13. Yeah. Now there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance, and when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me. But, then, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared for your sake. And if you just kept on going, that is exactly what takes place. He says, she is my sister. And not only does he make her say it, he says it himself, if you see that in verse 19. Worse yet, though, not only does he do that to Pharaoh... But if you want to draw the connections that much deeper between him and his son Isaac, he doesn't only do it once. Yes, he deserves two slaps in the face because he not only did it with Pharaoh, but he did it in chapter 20 with none other than Abimelech, king of the Philistines. The same person that Isaac would just years later. Go to chapter 20 with me, verses 1 and 2. From there, Abraham sojourned toward the territory of the Negev, and he lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said to his to Sarah, said of Sarah his wife, She is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent, and he took Sarah. After Isaac in chapter 26, I can only imagine Abimelech saying, What's with this family? Right? <laughs> But, so the tendency continued on in the family. So we can see there's a lot of similarities, like father, like son. So what are some theological takeaways of this? Well, Isaac is just like his father Abraham. We've already established that. But from that, I think we can say that the influence of a parent and the influence that a parent has on a child is incalculable. Whether good or bad. And maybe when we even think that they're not looking, we should probably assume they are. They're watching. Whether for good or bad, we rub off on them. It's often said that we are prone to repeat the sins of our parents. Right? Um, and we can all have our own uh, stories of how that might be the case, right? Um, I, I, I think I've said multiple times in the past that my family is a foster family. Well, the family that I grew up, my parents are foster parents, and so I oftentimes had foster siblings um, coming through our house, and a couple of them we adopted throughout the way. And my, my younger brother, Nathan, he is adopted, and uh, he was born fetal alcohol. Uh, he was put into the system whenever he was having a surgery because of his syndrome, and 
and she was nowhere to come take him after the surgery. You know, she was in the bars, and, and so he made it into the system because of that, and um, by God's providence, he landed in our house, and we're, we're blessed by him. But I remember being told that he would be prone to alcoholism, just like his parents. And so, um, but that, I guess, just runs in, I don't know, I don't know how that works, but because he's fetal alcohol, he might have a higher uh, tendency towards it and being addicted to it if he ever got into the habit of it. And so, you, you get that conversation with him saying, like, hey, buddy, you just need to know, um, this is not good or healthy, and especially for you, um, because... Um, what your history is, right? And having those conversations so he's, so he's aware of those kinds of things. But I think all of us, not just Nate, uh, my brother, but, but all of us, um, we're prone to, if we're not intentional and careful, we're prone to repeat the sins of our parents that we would watch them do as we're growing up. But it's less said, that, that's commonly said, less said, I think, but it's just as important that our children are prone our children are prone to repeat our godly habits too, not just our sins. And thank God for that, that they can see us also doing good, godly, repeated actions and want to do it too. And I think one of those beautiful things, right, is hearing a son say, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just keep doing that as you get older and truly meaning it, right? When you get older and you know what it means, would you? And, you know, that can only be the deepest heartfelt prayer that a parent could have. And so I think each of us parents should never underestimate our impact, even on our adult children. Don't stop praying. For them. Never stop praying for them. Never stop displaying for them. Never stop telling them because we have great impact as parents on their lives. And we may never see this impact or the fruits of it, but we can know that it's there and God will honor it. So that's one takeaway. Isaac's like his father Abraham because he probably watched his father Abraham and saw his father Abraham, and so he would live like his father Abraham. But we can go even deeper than that because I think both Isaac and Abraham are like their father, Adam. We can go deeper than just Abraham and see that Isaac, actually Isaac is not just like his father, but further down the line, he's like his father, Adam. And this gets into the doctrine of original sin. You you see, if you can remember the story of Adam and Eve and then link that with the story of Isaac and Rebekah and Abraham and Sarah, all three were promised the provisions of God, the blessing of God abundantly on their lives. And yet all three sinned. And interestingly, all three of their sins were very similar. They didn't protect their wives they didn't lead their wives, lives, their wives well, and in fact, they all hid behind their wives. Isaac and Abraham did. She's my sister. Take her. Don't hurt me. And, and Adam let Eve go for the fruit as he stood by the wayside. All three hid behind their wife and didn't lead them instead. 
Isaac's not just like his father Abraham. He's like his father Adam. I think, of course, this is a lesson for men as well, especially married men, right? To lead your wives in holiness. Not like Adam. Lead her, guide her in holiness. Don't stand by the wayside like Adam. And protect your wife from harm. Not like Isaac or Abraham. But stand in front of her, not behind her. So those are a few theological takeaways we can get from these passages. Now, I just want to spend a little bit uh, of our last time here applying this to our lives. I think the reality is, is Isaac is not only like his father Adam, but we are like our father Adam, right? The doctrine of original sin doesn't just make it through the way of Genesis. It, It goes on into the New Testament and beyond into today. We might show our sins in different ways from Adam and Abraham and Isaac, but we all have inherited the DNA trait of sinfulness from our father, Adam. Romans 5, 12, I think, says this very well. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, our father, Adam, and death through that sin, so death spread to all men, because all have sinned. We have the DNA trait that our father Adam gave us. We all sin. Now, it's worth noting, side noting, what is the essence of sinfulness? What does it mean to sin? What does it mean to say that we have this DNA trait, whatever that DNA trait is of sin? What is that? This tendency or Leaning to, and I would say that to define sinfulness, the thing that we got from Adam, is to see God and choose an alternative. That's as simple as a definition, I think, as we can get. To see God and choose an alternative. Jeremiah 2, verse 13, I think, helps us with this. Let me read it. Is God talking? And he says, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. You see what he said here, the two evils? He says, Firstly, they saw me, a fountain of living water, and he said, No, I'm okay. I don't need that. Instead, I want this. And they choose broken cisterns that can't hold any water. Do you see that this, this is the definition of sin itself, is to see God and say, no, thank you, I want this. And we have inherited this trait to see God's plan for you, to see God's design for you, to see God's grace in your life, to see God's kindness towards you, to see what God delights in, to see what He is passionate about, to see His way, His path for you, to see His revealed ordinances in your life. Sin is saying, no thank you, I choose otherwise. And we all do it because our father Adam did it. 
Eve did it. Abraham did it. Isaac did it. And we, as their descendants, inherited this. And, and, and let me say, it's not, as some would say, when we turn 14, we all of a sudden get that trait, right? You all know, if you've had children, it's from birth. Psalm 51.5 makes it very clear. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. And it's shown in a very early age. Proverbs 22, verse 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Not when they're 14, no, in the young heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. So if we're going to apply this to our lives, we need to see that it's not just Isaac who's like his father Abraham and his father Adam, but we are like our father Adam. A propensity to do evil and to choose otherwise. But I'm not all doom and gloom here. <laughs> Fatalistic determinism. You're, you're just stuck on that path and you're not going to change it. That's, that's not what I'm saying here. One of the, and there's an infinite number of beauties when you behold the gospel. But one of them is that this DNA thread within our genes that is called sin, it doesn't need to be our only family line, right? The family line of sin and sinfulness. In Adam, we are children of wrath. That's true. We have that flowing through our veins. Naturally, we are children of wrath, originally sinful and destined for damnation, right? But in Christ, we are children of grace, newly restored, eternally secured in redemption. I don't think it could be better said than in John chapter 1, verse 12. But to, he, to, to all who did receive Him, that's Christ, who believed in His name, He gave the right be children of God, not children of Adam. It's one bloodline. But he gave us the right to be children of God. Thank you, Jesus. It's two very different family lines. One is of natural origins through Adam, and one is made out of adoption. He's adopted us. Ephesians 1 says. One is natural, one is of adoption. The natural family line leads to inheritance of death. The adopted family line has an inheritance of eternal life. And I think it's really amazing to think that the longer you're in your adopted in the adopted family, the family of God, the more it'll begin to rub off on you. And you start to look more like that family than your first family. It's amazing. So, two quick responses for you, and we'll, we'll pray and sing one last song. I'd encourage you, recognize the natural bloodline of Adam. Recognize the natural bloodline of Adam. See it in your children. See it in your grandchildren. See it in your great-grandchildren. You may love them, 
but they need Jesus. And so recognize, truly recognize the natural bloodline of Adam and your great-grandchildren. See it in those who you care most about but don't know Jesus, right? Ignoring the natural bloodline of Adam flowing throughout them, ignoring that is not helping them. So see it in them. See it in those who, who wrong you. That's not hard, right? <laughs> but, but see it in them and recognize that that's just what is natural for them. It's in their DNA, just as it is in yours. And I think seeing that and recognizing that, I think helps us love them a little bit more when they wrong us. It's what's natural for them, just as it's what's natural for you and for me. And of course, most of all, see the natural bloodline of Adam in yourself. Because undealt with, it's the worst kind of cancer that can kill. So recognize the natural bloodline of Adam, but secondly, celebrate and herald the adoption into family of God. It's pretty amazing that God... He tells his children to go out and tell everyone else, hey, join the family of God. <laughs> it's like just open adoption. But go and just herald it to everybody and anybody that would hear. If you're saved, you have been graciously adopted by God. I have been adopted by God. And so may we invite others to be adopted by our Father, our Heavenly Father. Tell you what, more than I want to see myself in Judah. I want to see the traces of my heavenly Father in Judah. That's so much sweeter to me. And so let's recognize the bloodline of Adam, but let us celebrate and herald the adopted family of God that people could join. Thanks for listening to today's sermon. If you live in or near Bethany, Missouri, we invite you to join us for our worship services held on Sunday morning and Sunday evenings, as well as our various activities on Wednesday nights. For more information on how you can get involved, visit our website at bethanyibc.com.